How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Happy Friday, everybody. It's time for Auctions Action. We've got a big show lined up. Here's what's on deck. Carter Worth explains why small caps could be in for a big surprise and how it all comes down to financials. Plus, Jeopardy style. The answer, what are that work video call you're on and Zoom stocks moving higher? The question, what are two things that show no signs of ending? Tony Zhang helps you make your final wager. And speaking of calls, the professor, Mike Coe, has got another teaching moment on why now could be the best time to go back to the most basic tool in your kit. It is time to risk less to make more. And let's get right to it for this Friday after another wild month of trading all three major indices managing to close out May in the green with the S&P 500 now up more than 38 percent from its March lows. But take a look at the small caps. Despite seeing a boost this month, the IWM ETF that tracks the group is still lagging the broader market on the year down 16 percent. Our chart master Carter Worth says there is even more trouble brewing for this beaten down sector. So, Carter, what are the charts telling you? I mean, the issue here, of course, is that small caps have lagged for such a long time, and they are very heavily weighted to financials. But let's look at uh, one of four slides. The first one uh, shows you the IWM, and it shows you those well-defined uh, lows uh, from which uh, the, the IWM, the Russell 2000, broke sharply. And you can see that level. It's sort of the 145 level. And we plunged to 95, and then we ricocheted all the way back to that level, and that's the issue. We're up 51% off the low, more than the S&P, but that's the problem with going down so much, meaning it's so damaged. Take a look at the next slide. So here, uh, again, I've drawn the arrow because basically it's a classic example of a rally back to a difficult level where a lot of uh, commitments were made, money was lost, and now that money has been restored, and in principle, it's where sellers uh, act. Third, Take a look at the long-term chart, and this is really uh, the defect. Now, this is the chart since the 07 peak, and there are very distinct characteristics. One, you can see that actually the Russell 2000 put in a perfect double top. It could never make a high this year. I mean, think of the stock market, S&P was making big new highs, and the Russell 2000 actually went only back to its 2018 high. So you have a 2018-2020 double top, a crash, basically down 40 45%. And this ricochet right back to the underbelly of that line. Not a great setup. And then finally, uh, and this is its issue as well, look at this final chart. It's a two-panel chart. It's the same thing. It's the IWM on top. But look at the relative performance to the S&P, the bottom panel. I mean, it just is lower and lower and lower. In fact, its relative performance peaked six years ago in 2014. And we also know this. All 2,000 stocks, they add up to about $2.4 trillion. That's less than Apple and Microsoft. You're taking a lot of chances with an index that's heavily weighted in financials. Wow, that really puts in perspective. Uh, Mike, what's the trade out of this? Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. I think Carter was actually touching on a part of this. The, you know, the Russell 2000, amongst the publicly traded companies at least, you're looking at the basically the economy's smaller publicly traded companies. The Russell 1000, which is the biggest ones, actually have essentially regained back to where they were at the beginning of November of last year. That's a remarkable thing when you 
consider where we are as an economy. We went from the lowest unemployment that the country's had in its history to the highest unemployment that we've seen in several generations in just the course of three months. We don't know when we're going to get back to some sense of normal. We are temporarily basically hitting the pause button in terms of the economic impact because of the massive fiscal and monetary response that we've seen. But, you know, these companies are going to have lower credit qualities generally, and we're going to have a situation where, you know, we're going to see an even bigger bifurcation, in my view, between the mega cap sort of economy winners and a lot of the stocks that are in this space. And the interesting thing, of course, is that when we've seen this V bottom and the big sharp bounce off of it, we've seen a decline in implied volatility, the price of options. So I think what we want to do here is look out. In my case, I'm going to look out until August for a couple of reasons. One is that some of the fiscal response is going to have run out by then. We're also going to start capturing the next cycle of earnings. And I was looking at the 130, 110 put spread. You could spend $6.65 for those 130s, sell the 110s against it. Net, net, you were going to spend about $2.30. That's just a little over a fifth of the distance between these strikes. The idea that I'm looking basically to capture those two catalysts as I see it, basically sort of a runoff of government assistance, another earning cycle, and also just trying to capture the fact that we have seen a pretty sharp rebound, but I don't think that all of the bad economic news for these companies in particular has been appropriately priced in. Tony, what do you make of Mike's trade? So first of all, I think I'm going to take a bit of a contrarian view on IWM. You know, I kind of find this chart quite constructive, at least for the short run. You have that 135 triple top that the stock, that the ETF broke out above, and you have some significant relative strength over the past five or six weeks where small caps has outperformed S&P. So I actually like this more to the upside rather than the downside. However, I do like Mike's trade from the perspective as a hedge against a downside correction, especially as he said, he's... He's targeting next earnings cycle, and that's something that's very important. And the fact that he's using an out-of-the-money call spread here where he's only risking less than 3% of the underlying ETF's value, I think that's a really smart way to hedge your risks to the downside. We got a taste earlier this week of what a rotation into value looks like, and it was very strong, Carter. And I'm just wondering if you just think that those little doses, like those are just, they're not really going to pan out here because that would be key to believing that IWM right. would, be continu- would continue to be it's, underperforming. You know, there's a phrase for this kind of thing, of course, and it's not mine. We all know it. It's called a value trap. <laughs> um, sometimes things appear to be cheap, but uh, typically uh, that's uh, for a reason. And so uh, we've had a cyclical bounce. Think energy. Energy is up 75% off of its low. Um, double the uh, market. The KRE, the regional banks, are up. 40 more than the market. But that's the point. The things that plunge the most, ricochet the most. But it's so damaged and it's so dependent on an economic recovery. Uh, not a bet that I want to make. All right, let's move on here. Check out shares of the quintessential stay-at-home stock, zooming higher again today. Just like that, just like they have been all year, I should say. Zoom is up more than 150% heading into next week's earnings report. Tony says there's no end in sight for the stay-at-home sweetheart's rally. Tony? Yeah, so I covered Zoom here last earnings season in early March, well before we had the lockdowns, when we thought work from home was going to be a short-term trend. But as we know now, I think not only is work from home going to be significantly longer than we had originally expected, but actually more of a permanent for many workers. So if we look at the chart here, 
what I love about the Zoom chart is that it's been in a clear uptrend, but every time it touches the 50-day moving average, it bounces higher off of it. And that's exactly what we saw here earlier this week. And we have this double top here at 180 that it's about to break out from. And I think earnings next week is what this stock needs in order to break out above that 180 level. Now, if we look at the stock itself, it actually currently options are implying about a 12.6% move here on earnings. So this stock can really rocket higher if they beat earnings. And I'm expecting them to beat earnings by roughly almost $20 million in terms of revenue to the upside. But the the options market is currently only pricing, uh, you know, over the last four quarters, it's only moved about 10.8%. So the options market implying a larger move than what we've actually seen on a stock that moves quite a bit. So the trade structure that I am that I want to use here to continue to play for upside and a breakout here is using a call vertical, similar to the trade that I used last week where I'm going out to June and I'm buying the 175 one, a 210 call vertical here. I'm spending about $13.60 for that June 175 call, and I'm collecting about $3.20 to sell that June 210 call, something that's pretty far out of the money here, and I'm looking for a boost here on earnings and for this to break out higher. My break-even price here is around 185, a little over 185 here, so I'm looking for a breakout another $5 higher beyond where we currently are trading as of today's close. Mike, your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, I mean, I like the trade structure if you're going to make a bullish bet. I mean, we're looking forward to earnings. I mean, we should actually think, then think a little bit about multiples. I mean, this is a company that, you know, on a run rate basis, even if they're doing $250 million a quarter, right now the street's looking for $200 million in revenues for this last quarter that just ended. This is a $20 billion market cap. So this thing is trading at, you know, best case, about 20 times revenues. That's, that's not a cheap stock. The good news is, from a fundamental standpoint, that the company has made some announcements that basically suggest that they're going to become an entrepreneurial platform for app developers that are going to be trying to basically deal with this work-from-home you know, dynamic that we're now dealing with. But I just think that on a valuation basis, if you're inclined to make a bullish bet, you would have to use options to do it. And I do like Tony's trade structure, at least for that. It's just the valuation that's a little bit troublesome for me, but it's probably trading on technicals in any case. Uh, Tony laid out uh, a, a- solid technical case, it seemed. Carter, what did you think of the chart work? Well, sure, it can only be technicals, right? When you're trading at 70 times sales, uh, it's anything but fundamentals. It's just the future. Here is uh, a classic breakout candidate. What we do know, though, is it did very well on its March 3rd print. I think it uh, came in double the expectation in terms of earnings. And yet, after flaring up, the stock faltered. And so uh, this is an instance where in the event of a news-related pop, uh, I think it's a quick harvest, something to get out of. Is that what you would do, Tony? Uh, exactly. So I'm looking for, th- I'm only going out to June, so I'm expecting this trade to be lasting a very short amount of time. I'm looking for a pop higher, and I'm looking to get out, either at a profit or a loss. All right. There is a time for complexity. Now is not that time. Professor Coe gives us you a, gives you a KISS, as in keep it simple, student. And for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. We will be back right after this. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. 
Welcome back to Options Action and a case study in busts and booms through the lens of Apple. Check out just how far Apple has rocketed off its March 23rd lows, nearly 50 percent in just over two months. But now an Apple investor might be faced with a quandary. There's only one way to explain. Time for a good old fashioned tag team starring Mike and Carter. So, Carter, you're first. Sure. So take a look at one of two charts in Apple, a very clearly defined peak in February, 326, a plunge to 212 and then back to 324. Very symmetrical. The unfortunate nature of math is you drop 35 percent. You've got to go back 52. and It's right back to a former high. Second chart. When you return to a former high, you've returned to a level of overhead supply. In principle, there are people who bought in February who then endured a 35 percent sell off but didn't sell. And then now seeing their money return to them, they want to grab it. They're interested sellers. Get me out. And that's only half the supply. Then, as opposed to people who bought poorly that are breaking even, there are people who bought the low. Dumb luck or brilliance. Down at 212, 220. And once you flip the cards over and show them a 40, 50 percent gain, supply emerges from below. They want to book those gains. What a trade. Get me out. And so we are at that juncture, and it's not random, you can see it in the chart, that Apple has stopped precisely at its former peak. I'm going to turn it over to the professor from here. So this is an interesting situation. Of course, many of you probably hold Apple. It's one of the most broadly held stocks. And for many people, it's probably a core holding. What are core holdings? Those are the stocks that you hold and that you don't sell. So if you're among those people that are looking at these potential levels of resistance, but you're not inclined to sell your shares, is there something you can do in the options markets to try to enhance your return and take advantage of the fact that there probably is going to be some sort of a ceiling on the stock in the near term? And the answer is to sell covered calls. Now, this is the kind of a situation where sometimes people think that the best idea is to just try to sell calls when implied volatility is high. Really, this is kind of a decision that you want to make when you're making some sort of assessment of how the stock is behaving. I think this is an attractive exit point if you were to be called out of the stock because, of course, if you sell right now and the options that I'm looking at, you want to sell above the current stock price. The idea is you're trying to choose an attractive exit point you're looking for an area of resistance, and we also want to take a look ahead at any potential catalysts, such as earnings. They do report in July, but it's actually going to be after July expiration. So July expiration is the one that I'm going to be looking at. Specifically, I was looking at the July 3.30 calls. You could collect $7.60 when I was looking at that earlier today. Now, consider... That is above the all-time high in the stock. If you did end up selling the stock at that 330 level, net of the 760 you're collecting, that's $337.60 per share that you'd effectively be collecting if you just decided to allow that stock to be called away from you. I, I think it's probably not that likely that we actually get there before earnings as a potential catalyst to take us there. And this is also a trade that's going to be giving you more than 2% of the current stock price in terms of yield. And that's one of the other things I try to look for, trying to get at least 1% incremental yield on the stock position uh, in terms of income. So, you know, when we are looking for option strategies, this is the most basic. It's the one that many people begin with. It's an investment strategy. Many of you are invested in Apple. And this is one of those places, essentially, where we can identify a good covered call selling situation. Yeah. Tony, your thoughts? Yeah, so first of all, I think selling cover calls in this current market environment is the absolute right strategy to be utilizing. 
And I really like the fact that Mike and Carter have used technicals and some levels to get a sense for where in terms of strike price. Normally on a stock like this going out to July, I would sell something much further out of the money, usually around a 345 or 350, around a 15 or 10 to 15 deltas. But here, because they've identified a pretty strong technical level that they would like to exit the trade at 330, and they're receiving 2% of the underlying stock price to get this, that's exactly the type of, of cover call that I think makes a lot of sense here. I do think that for those of you that believe that Apple will make an all-time high and continue to move higher for those investors that they want, might want to adjust those strike prices a little higher into that 340, 345 range. You know, China and China tensions have been a, a real topic, Mike, and this could afford some investors some peace of mind if they believe that Apple could be in the crosshairs and that that rally that we were talking about uh, could be threatened or at least hit some speed bumps along the way. Yeah, that's a great point, because, of course, that also presents some potential headwinds to seeing all-time highs in the stock. One thing I will say in response to what Tony was suggesting is that, of course, implied volatility is a little bit higher. You take better advantage of that when you're selling strikes that are a little closer to the money. Of course, by collecting more premium, you're giving yourself a minor amount of insulation to the downside. If the stock just trades sideways, essentially, you're just going to collect that premium. But if it, even if it declines just a little bit, you'll be better off than if you hadn't sold them because you are collecting a little bit more than 2% of the stock price. Those are the things you want to look like, exactly what you're talking about here, technical resistance, levels of valuation that might be high, and other forms of headwinds, such as what we're dealing with with China right now. All right, speaking of China, we do have some breaking news. China's Global Times, which is seen as a, a mouthpiece of the Communist Party, responding to President Trump's announcement this afternoon, saying that Trump's plan to eliminate policy exemptions providing Hong Kong with special privileges is, quote, a recklessly arbitrary move. Of course, we are all looking uh, very closely for any reaction out of China. This is perhaps the first that we'll get to uh, the president's announcement this afternoon. Coming up next, a marvelous chip trade. We are breaking down why the semi-surge just paid off for one of our traders. Plus, for taking your tweets, send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Now, just last week, Cohen Carter said one chip stock was looking simply marvelous. Well-defined tops at a common level. Note the authority of the 28 level. And this stock is just breaking out. $30.13 on the close. Uh, very constructive. But the breakout in principle has more to go. Given the fact that we're looking at making a bullish bet in a stock that has already had such a strong move, I think the way we want to play this is with a call spread because the options are reasonably priced. I was looking at the June 30, 34 call spread. That would cost about $1.20 to put that trade on. So by doing this, we have upside exposure up to 34. Well, the stock had a marvelous day to close out the week, putting this trade in the green. So, Mike, what are you doing now? Yeah, so I think this is a situation where we can actually book profits and press a bullish bet both. What I would do is roll the 30s up to the 33s. You could collect $2. That's more than the $1.20 that we spent to put the trade on to begin with. So booking an 80% profit, but you will still own the 33-34 call spread so you can actually profit further if the stock continues to go higher. Carter, does the chart support Mike's move? Well, it's a, it's a textbook breakout. I mean, a big week, up 8%. And in general, I would say we want to stick with this kind of momentum. It's, it's when you break out in a, such a big way that you've cannibalized your gains, it's time to take profits. That is not the case here. All right. Meantime, Tony shared some insight as to why one healthcare name could be primed for big gains. 
If you see that the clinical trial announcement lines up with the technical chart breaking out above the $95 resistance level, it spent the last month consolidating between 95 and 105, and I think it's prime now for a potential breakout. And I'm going out to July, and I'm buying the July 110 calls for about $5.50, and I'm selling the July 115 calls against that for about $0.90. Cents. Net net here, I'm paying about $4.60. Well, Insight had a nice midweek rally, but lost most of that steam heading into the weekend. So, Tony, what are you doing now? So the chart here still looks very constructive to me. It's still staying above that $100 resistance level. It's bounced off the 20-day moving average, so I think that this is prime still for that breakout. It's moved a little bit still in our favor, so this trade is small. It has a small profit at the moment. I still have almost 50 days left on this particular trade, so I'm still hanging on to it and looking for further gains to the upside. Carter, your thoughts? Yeah, very constructive chart. Up on the week, I mean, and what's not to like? It just, the opportunity has been deferred. Stay long. Mike, would you stick with this? Yeah, I mean, this is a technical trade, so you're going to have to listen to the two guys that were just speaking before <laughs> me. I mean, I don't have that much insight, as I said last week on <laughs> Insight, so I'll, I would defer to them. All right. Coming up next, we got your tweets and the final call. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, what is your assessment of buying the GLD August 190 calls? Tony. So with respect to buying far out of the money calls, and these are really far out of the money, August 190 calls are trading at about 10 delta, which means that for every dollar gold goes up, this option only moves by 10 cents. Even though these options are really cheap, normally when you buy really far out of the money options, you do it on a stock that you think is going to have a big catalyst event. And gold is simply not that type of trade. It's not a stock that, is, that has an earnings event coming up or some kind of product launch where you're expecting a binary move. So I would use something lower like a 165 call option. All right. Our next viewer asks a, a bit of a transcendent question. Singer-songwriter Ed Hale writes, I don't usually ask you guys questions, but here's one. Isn't the SPY ridiculously overbought right now? Carter. Well, sure. It's so dependent on what we know, just a handful of names. Top five names are now 23%, while you have a lot of beaten-out names that just are uh, languishing. Yes, overbought and um, risky. All right. Our next viewer at writes, uh, Tesla looks poised for a breakout, needs clearance above 826 and 834. How would you play this? Mike, take this one. Well, it is above 826 already. It's actually above 834 where it closed today. But what I would do right now, because it looks like its progress is slowing a little bit to my eye, I would probably use call calendars if you're trying to play this one on the long side. All right. It is time now for the final call. Last heard from the options pits, Carter Braxtonworth, what do you say? If you have a nice profit in small cap stocks, IWM, take them. If not, uh, new position, be short. Professor Michael Coe. Uh, so if you're in the Marvell trade, I think one of the things you want to do is roll up to that 33 strike, basically book your profits and also let some money run. 
And the other thing, of course, is if you have Apple, now's a good time to look at selling some covered calls. Tony. Zoom, the ultimate work from home stock, is going to keep zooming higher on earnings by a call spread. All right. Well, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. Have a great weekend. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.